You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 629 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you live on a fine Friday evening in late September. And uh, essentially, with this podcast, the season is underway. Um, not, that might sound weird to some of you with the with respect to the fact that, uh, you know, Media Day hasn't even arrived yet technically and the preseason hasn't begun. But for all intents and purposes, at least my season began today when I was uh, in attendance for the preseason, pre-training camp media availability for Lloyd Pierce and Travis Schlenk. So uh, we are now in full swing for people that might be new listeners to the podcast. First of all, welcome to the show. I really appreciate everybody that's uh, checking us out for the first time or the second time or the fifth time or the 10th time. Uh, I really appreciate that once again. Um, and uh, over the summer, most podcasts that I did, you know, outside of summer league, outside of the NBA draft were uh, with a guest because there isn't too much to talk about in terms of just, you know, news kind of stuff by myself. So, um, but for most of the summer, we did longer shows and uh, guest-driven shows. Those will still be around a little bit less frequently, probably. You know, once a week, once every two weeks, I'll have a guest on and go a little bit longer. But within the confines of the season, I am a solo host for the most part, and we will talk about games. Um, after every game, we'll have a podcast breakdown of what transpired. We'll talk about news, we'll talk about injuries, trades, all that fun stuff. So within the confines of the season, this is kind of be uh, this is basically what you get the majority of the time on the podcast. And we will still have frequent guests. You know, Jeff Siegel, Tower Jones. You know, also now. National guests, you know, Robbie Callen, Sam Massini, Coles Wicker have been on the show multiple times, Matt Moore, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but throughout the uh, campaign, we'll be here talking about the Atlanta Hawks. And uh, that starts today in, I guess, quote unquote, in season fashion. Um, the first thing before we get into what actually was said on the podium today by Travis Schlenk and Lloyd Pierce, the Hawks um, sort of stealthily announced a bunch of injury issues and injury updates before that availability took place. That's a smart thing for the organization to do, in my opinion, by the way, just because of the fact that you can sort of avoid having your uh, GM and coach talking on the fly on the podium um, by getting out in front of this stuff. So with that said, um, there are several players to discuss, and I want to go through those before we get to the uh, second part of the podcast, which which will be sort of talking about what was said publicly by the uh, two decision makers here in Atlanta. So first things first, um, what I the only real injury that we have a close eye on in the last couple of weeks and months was the uh, status of Cam Reddish, the first pick, the first sorry, the first first round pick, the second pick that the Hawks made this year, number ten overall out of Duke. Uh, Reddish uh, is one of the few, basically the only positive report that the Hawks announced today in terms of injury status. He is now quote fully cleared to resume on court activities end quote. And uh, it, it is worth noting that Reddish does uh, have a, quote, load monitoring plan with bulk volume restrictions, end quote. There's lots of uh, that kind of talk in the release the Hawks announced on Friday. But the headline item there is that Cam Reddish is going to be available to play in training camp. Um, both Pierce and Schlenk talked a lot during the availability about Reddish and how they're taking slow with him. That's definitely the right tact. And it took a little bit longer than expected. There was a six to eight week timetable from his core from the core muscle injury that he was diagnosed with. The Hawks didn't know about the injury before they, before they drafted him, so no surprises there. But it took a little bit longer than advertised for Cam to be fully cleared and back on the court. So um, they talked about the fact that he was uh, you know he's been in the gym recently, but at the same time um, you know training camp will be big for Cam Reddish and we'll see how he looks early in the season. But objectively positive news for Cam. We'll talk about him a little bit more later in the podcast. 
Um, the other the other two headliners that I would say that are less uh, less exciting in, in terms of, of a positive spin are John Collins and Kevin Herter, both of whom were uh, included on the injury report. Um, Collins um, actually had an MRI this week on Wednesday for a right hip strain. Um, he is able to participate in on-court activities within the prescribed rehab limitations, is the way the Hawks um, described his status right now. He'll be reviewed by team doctors between now and camp, and his status will be updated at that point in time. So he is cleared for training camp. I'm not sure that means he's going to be full go for training camp, but Collins at least has some sort of issue with his right hip that is worth monitoring. Same for Kevin Herter in a lot of ways. The timetable on Herter is a little bit more shaky. Um, the release uh, acknowledged that Herter actually reported back to Atlanta with knee pain in late August. Now, that, that's about a month ago now. Um, he had an MRI at some point between now and then. Uh, that revealed no structural damage, which is good. Of course, he was treated to reduce inflammation and increase his uh, tolerance in that knee. Um, but the same designation with uh, that Collins had about being able to um, sort of be within the within the prescribed rehab limitations also applies to Herder, and both guys will be uh, monitored very very closely in the coming days. I guess on the bright side, both guys are available to play. This is not. This, 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 it definitely does not appear to be serious with either player. But still, you don't want to have two thirds of your uh, sort of inner core have have issues this early in training camp. So something to monitor for those two guys. Elsewhere, uh, Alex Lynn apparently has a lower back pain issue and a left ankle sprain. Um, the back pain actually popped up after a voluntary workout just yesterday on Thursday with the Hawks. He'll be closely monitoring over the next couple of days, apparently, and uh, he's sort of a TBD when it comes to the start of training camp. So Len is the projected starting center, in my opinion, and um, if, if he doesn't start at center, I'll be a little bit surprised by that. If, but if he doesn't, he'll be, he'll be the guy that I will say is flat out the best center on the roster, regardless. So we'll keep an eye, we'll keep an eye on him. To a little bit lesser in terms of uh, impact on the court, but still significant in terms of news, Alan Crabb, um, who was acquired famously in the deal for Torian Prince and draft picks, all that stuff. We talked about Alan Crabb extensively on yesterday's podcast, actually with Jeff Siegel. We talked about shooting guards. That we'll, we'll reference that podcast as we get going here. But Alan Crabb had an arthroscopic procedure on his right knee back in April. That was public knowledge. It was not a uh, stealth thing. The Hawks knew about it, of course, when, when they traded for him. And uh, for, for the most part, he was traded for as a contract rather than actually for his on-court value. But um, no surprises there. But he's continuing to rehab at this point in time and making gradual progression, but he has not yet been cleared. Um, in contrast to everybody else on this list, he is not cleared for camp at this point in time. And the Hawks actually went a little bit further than that, saying that he's expected to miss the entire preseason. That is not great news for Alan Crabb in terms of, of carving out a role there are, there are wide-ranging implications for this injury, frankly, just because of the fact that you know, we talked about Crab at length yesterday. But um, in short, Crab would provide some shooting off the bench. But if he's not available for all preseason, in my mind, that means he's not going to be ready for the start of the regular season. And, um, you know, that's not a huge loss necessarily in terms of just the player himself because he's battling with guys like Bembry, like Reddish, who probably are more talented than Alan Crab are at this point in time. But it does impact the rotation to some degree. And if he's unavailable early, he might just never come back to the rotation. That's definitely in play um, with regard to a guy that does not seem to be in the long-term plans for the Hawks really in any way considering he's, a, he's an expiring contract that they really weren't trading for as a player asset. So we'll talk more about Crab in the future. But he's the one guy that we know is not going to be around for the next few weeks and uh, that's going to put him behind the eight ball, you have to imagine, as he arrives with a new team. 
Last but not least, well, I guess potentially least, but last on the list is Chandler Parsons, who the Hawks did not list an injury for Chandler Parsons. He is, he's, of course, battled long-term knee issues in his career, but the Hawks are discussing him as being on a load management program, and he'll be limited throughout camp in the preseason. I'm not sure what that means, and there was not a lot of discussion. In fact, basically no discussion about him today with Pierce and Schlenk. Parsons is basically the lowest um, priority item on the entire um, 14-man guaranteed contract roster because of just the way that this came about. He is a very highly paid player, but someone on an expiring contract who the Hawks you know, acquired but didn't sign. And, you know, just one of those things where we'll, we'll keep an eye on Parsons, and I think he can play a little bit if he's healthy, but lots of um, obstacles between now and then for Chandler Parsons. So, big picture. All the injuries, there really are no disasters here. Crab is the only one that's going to definitely keep somebody off the floor for training camp purposes. Um, you have to worry a little bit about Collins and Herter because you know they thought enough of those injuries to list them pre uh, preseason, pre training camp. So there, there are at least something going on with those two guys, as well as Alex Len, who's battling a sort of a double issue with his back and his ankle. But I think you know re- reading between the lines a little bit, all guy, all, the, all these guys seem to be on track to play in the regular season opener and just kind of be available. We'll see what their workloads are in the preseason. You know, famously last year, John Collins missed, you know, the entire start of the regular season and missed a lot, missed a long time. The Hawks cannot afford to be without John Collins this year. It's going to be important that he plays. And I think they'll uh, take every precaution to make sure these guys are on the court and ready to go. And, uh, you know, repeatedly during the post, uh, uh, repeatedly during the press conference today, both Pierce and Schlenk talked about the fact that this is sort of a, um, it's definitely a situation where they're they're not trying to rush anybody back from anything. They're going to be taking it slow on all these guys, and that's the right tact for a team that's not going to be competing for the title this year anyway. So go ahead and uh, take your time, make sure these guys are healthy, and trust the training staff, and uh, they're going to do just that, it appears. So with that said, that'll be all the injury talk on today's podcast for the most part, and uh, we'll, after a short break, we'll come back and talk about what was said on the podium on this fine Friday. All right, and we're back to talk about what transpired um, during the press conference on Friday. Um, I'm going to go sort of in chronological order, but definitely with some tangents. There was not really an overarching theme to the to the press conference, no massive breaking news. Not that I'm surprised by that. Both Pierce and Schlenk are interesting characters. They definitely, um, you know, they, they speak well to the media. They treat the media fairly. They are, are uh, candid to some degree, and they uh, are entertaining when they discuss things. But at the same time, neither, neither one of these guys is um, predisposed to making big-time news. They're not really a situation where they're going to be talking in a way that's going to make, you know, definitely not national news, but even, even regional news, in my opinion. So... That's uh, sort of the backdrop of this thing, but I talked about Cam Reddish a little bit before and the fact that he's cleared now. Um, early on, there were some questions about Cam Reddish in the press conference. He's been in Atlanta, reportedly, um, from what Peter and Schlenk were saying, since about mid-August. They are focused on the full 82-game season with him to the point where they're definitely going to be taking it slow. I've used this comparison a few different times in the last several months because Lloyd Pierce has in the past about Kevin Herter getting, getting off to a slow start last year. Uh, Pierce said it again today, sort of unprompted, and talked about how Kevin was bad in training camp last year and bad in the preseason because he wasn't ready to play just yet. He was coming back from the injury and missed the whole summer. Reddish has been out even longer than Kevin Herter than Kevin Herter was, and frankly, Reddish was not quite as good of a college player as Kevin Herter was. Um, you know, at the same time, Reddish was was a lot more high high pedigree in terms of a prospect status. But it will not surprise anyone if Reddish is uh, struggling a little bit early on in the process. But they were definitely um, positive about Reddish. They talked about him in a glowing fashion, and that, that makes sense. They they drafted him with a lottery pick this year. I think highly of Reddish. I think he's very, very talented. We've discussed him quite a bit. I wrote about him um, as terms of, in terms of his player preview for Peachtree Hoops, and I think it was pretty positive. I, I, I do like Cam. I think his floor is higher than people, people want to say that it is. Defensively, it's very interesting as well. So we'll talk about 
him plenty, but I think it's interesting that they were definitely taking the long-term approach with, with Reddish. That's the way to go, for sure. And uh, one of the questions that we'll uh, hopefully try to get an answer to in the next couple of weeks is just kind of what the plan is for him early on in the campaign. I think, provided he's healthy, by the end of the year he'll be playing a lot of minutes for this team. But early on, we'll see how ready he is and how, how fast they want to take things with Cam Reddish. Um... Sort of tangentially uh, appropriate to the same conversation is the fact that, um, actually, I was the one that asked this question, but we were talking about the uh, lack of a traditional backup point guard at the uh, press conference. I've talked about that a lot, of, a lot on this podcast, obviously, with Jeff Siegel and myself and et cetera, et cetera. But um, the combination of Schleich and Pierce talked about um, five different guys as potential backup point guard options on this team and really just ball handling options more than anything. Those guys were Evan Turner, DeAndre Bembry, Kevin Herter, Cam Reddish, and uh, two-way contract guard Brandon. Goodwin. Goodwin is the guy who um, Schlenk actually made sure to mention is basically the third point guard at this point in time. He's the closest thing that they have to a traditional backup point guard, but still that two-way contract role in the way that they sort of had with Josh Majette two years ago and Jalen Adams last year. Not someone who I think is going to be playing a ton of minutes at the NBA level, but if they need someone, for instance, if, if Trey Young were to miss some time, they might need to lean on Goodwin a little bit more than you might imagine. Um, both guys did say, though, repeatedly in their uh, answers about this, that um, they're going to use multiple ball handlers, and that's definitely the way to go with this. You know, they got out in front of it with Evan Turner saying that he's going to be the backup point guard. I think that's probably going to be the case, but we're definitely going to see Bembry and Herter. Maybe not Reddish, but we'll see on that one. Um, but I, I think at some point during the season, I'm very confident that we, we will see Bembry, Herter, and Turner all operating as a quote-unquote point guard within the system. And they're probably going to use multiple ball handlers whenever possible, especially when Trey Young leaves the floor. Um both guys said that Turner, um, and this is I definitely agree with this, by the way, that Turner is best with, with a ball in his hands offensively because of the way that he just can't shoot it. Like They, they didn't say that, but they, they definitely made it clear that he's better with the ball in his hands than without it in his hands. Um, Pierce talked about coaching Turner in Philadelphia and actually explicitly said that Turner is also almost, almost a 1-4 kind of hybrid guy. Um, Turner... I've been saying this a lot during the offseason, but he's more of a four than anything else offensively. If he's not a one, he's definitely somebody you have to play at the four. He's not really a wing with with his lack of shooting. He, he can defend wings, to be sure. But we could see some time with Trey Young on the floor where Turner is basically the power forward. That would not surprise me at all. And Pierce sort of alluded to that in, uh, cer in certain ways. Big picture-wise... Um, we, we heard a lot of the uh, party line from the Hawks about not wanting to skip steps. That's something Lloyd Pierce has been talking about quite a few quite a few times in the last year or so. Travis Schlenk in the last two years, just taking their time. Basically, Pierce really really emphasized consistency as sort of the buzzword of the day, um, and that makes a lot of sense. You know, even with guys who are more established now at this point in time, Trey Young, John Collins, um, in their answers about those guys, uh, consistency was sort of the way to go. Uh, Pierce gave a good answer that I think you can probably find on Twitter. I was going to insert the, the audio, but it's not great on my end because I was in the room and not really a great setup for me audio-wise. But he gave a good answer about John Collins, particularly just kind of making the next step by doing what he did before and doing it consistently, um, showing that that's not a fluke and basically just coming out and doing it again. I think defensively it's even more important for, the, for those two guys, but consistency was just the – just basically the, the the buzzword of the entire day, in my opinion, if you had to pick one theme that was out there, it was not rushing and being consistent and kind of developing that way would be what I took away from the, um, from things overall. I asked about the defense in particular. Uh, I didn't really ask it perfectly, but within the question, I referenced that the offense reached higher heights than the defense last season. Uh, Pierce really wouldn't acknowledge that um, necessarily. 
He said, uh, frankly, that they hadn't accomplished anything on, on offense either. He did say, though, that the defense was going to be at the forefront of things in training camp. That's pretty obvious to everyone that would uh, watch this team. You know, last year, once Trey Young got going and Collins was back, they were basically a league average offense, maybe a little bit below that, but they definitely had some high heights offensively, whereas the defense was not that. So, I think we can sort of all agree at this point the offense is, is further ahead than the defense. There are some offensive questions this year, particularly with the lack of shooting that um, the guys they lost as shooters, even Torian Prince, who I didn't love, brought a lot of shooting, Dwayne Dedman, Dwayne Dedman et cetera, et cetera. But still, I think um, it, it will surprise everyone if the offense is not much better than defense this year. So defense is going to be a priority throughout um, the campaign. Uh, speaking of shooting, um, Schlenk was asked uh, about the lack of um, shooting—not not necessarily the, lo- the lack of shooting, but the loss of shooting with Prince and Devin, how they were going to replicate that. He did—he uh, he did not um, sort of go out of his way to say that they have fully replicated that. He did reference the uh, shooting potential of the, all, all the rookies, uh, both the forwards and even Bruno Fernando. He even sort of casually threw out Damian Jones as a potential shooting option. I'll believe that when I see it, but at the same time, the Hawks have been willing to let their center shoot throughout the entire regime here. Um, so we'll see what happens with Damian Jones, Bruno Fernando. I think Fernando, even on draft night, they talked about him potentially being able to shoot eventually. They like his touch. I'm not sure it's going to translate as a rookie, but he's going to be shooting at some point in time. Damian Jones would be more of a surprise to me, but it's not impossible. They turned Alex Lennon into a shooter um, in basically a year. So we'll see how that goes for those guys. But I thought that was pretty interesting that uh, without prompting, really, Schlank talked about Damian Jones shooting threes this year. So keep an eye on that for the former Golden State Warriors center. Um, Last thing in terms of specifics that were uh, said here, Lloyd Pierce reinforced the widespread belief, at least in my opinion, that Vince Carter was not expected to play last year as much as he did because of the fact that he was filling in for injuries and he played well and all that fun stuff. But he did say that he had spoken to Vince and that Carter knows knows the situation this year is going to be very different than last year, particularly after they signed Jabari Parker in addition to drafting a pair of talented lottery forwards in the uh, in the draft I would also throw Evan Turner into that I think um, the feeling that I got from that answer from Lloyd Pierce is that Vince Carter probably isn't going to play much which is not breaking news to anyone listening to this podcast I don't think because I talked about that a lot on the power forward podcast but Vince I think understands that he's taking a lesser role at least on paper on this year's team than he, than he actually played last year I have a feeling that probably is why he took a little longer to sign than you might have thought. He didn't agree to the contract until uh, August 5th, I believe was the date. So that could have instructed that. But Pierce, as usual, went out of his way to really compliment Vince's uh, locker room presence. The fact that he's just sort of his voice and his eyes in the locker room. And Vince could still play too, which is important to uh, recognize and point out, which they definitely did on the podium. But uh, I think Carter's going to be playing... Uh, a, a lot less than last year, unless uh, a lot of things go wrong with injuries, etc. But if you have, if you need him, you throw him out there. He can shoot it. He can defend a little bit and kind of do Vince Carter things. So no real bad stuff there when it comes to the oldest player in the NBA. Uh, last thing in terms of just interesting takeaways that I found or didn't find, I should say, there was basically no mention at all of either Alan Crabb or Chandler Parsons. No big surprise. I alluded to that alluded to that a little bit earlier on the podcast, but Crabb. Um, is someone who they didn't necessarily trade for as a player. He has the arrest lingering from the summer that was a DUI kind of charge in California. Um, he's been now charged with that. Um, the arrest happened before he was a member of the Hawks. Uh, they, they were not asked about that because it's just kind of a weird situation. I didn't really want to ask about that. At the same time, though, Crab, because he's injured um, and because he's not really a priority looking, look, looking ahead to the future, as I said before, he might get lost in translation a little bit, and there was no discussion of him. Same with Parsons. Parsons, um, you know, there are 14 guys on the roster. 
They can only have 13 active on opening night. Um, provided Crab is injured, he'd be, he would be the logical and active choice. But if everybody was healthy, I was actually thinking it might be Parsons. So those two guys might be 13 and 14 on this roster. That would not surprise me all that much, considering all the young talent that they have on this team. And the fact that, you know, behind Alex Land, they're probably going to need a pair of bodies in Fernando and in Jones. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, if you were, I guess, handicapping today, the two guys on guaranteed contracts that will play the least this year, my money might now be on Crab and uh, Parsons. Parsons would have been in that mix the entire time, but with the injury stuff with Crab, the lack of buzz about him, I think I might put him down there with Parsons as well. It might seem reactionary after only one day, but the injury stuff and the late start really might hamper Alan Crab. so we'll see how that goes in the future. But yeah, there wasn't a ton else about um, Bruno Fernando. I did think that it was interesting that they definitely talked about Damian Jones more than Fernando, and there really weren't questions about either one of those guys individually. There was just a lot of tangents about Damian Jones and the fact that they weren't discussed a ton, but I thought that was pretty interesting and noteworthy. It's a small thing, but it would not surprise me at all if Damian Jones was the backup center on opening night. That will probably frustrate Hawks fans that liked Fernando. I want to see more of him, and I think we, I think you're going to see plenty of Bruno Fernando this year. But I think early on, it would not blow me away if Jones was the backup was the backup center on opening night, and maybe even starting sometimes. That, that was a that was an idea that someone floated to me offline, and I thought, you know, it wasn't necessarily to say that he'd be playing more than Alex Len, because he absolutely wouldn't be. Alex Len's the best center on this team. But if you wanted to stagger a little bit in the way that some teams have done in the past and kind of have that, you know, six-minute-a-half center going against, going against the opposing center for some um, some beef and having Alex Lynn shooting on second unit, that might that may not be the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. I wouldn't do that. I would still start Alex Lynn, but keep an eye on that in the future. But, yeah, we'll see how that flows. But I, th- I at least noticed the fact that they did not talk a lot about Crab. Um, basically none about Crab and Parsons, not, a, not too much about Bruno either. So keep that in mind as we get going forward here. So that's a lot of information that I know I've thrown out to you on a 20 minute podcast, but that's, um, you know, what's going to happen sometimes on the, on this podcast. I'm getting my sea legs back under me and getting used to things. Um, and I like to fly through information to pass it along to you on your uh, morning commutes or whatever you listen to this podcast. I really appreciate all the love that I've gotten in the recent past. People ready for the season to start and the podcast to fire up on a near daily basis. Again, it won't be every single day, Monday through Friday, but sometimes, sometimes it actually will be, um, it won't be every single day, but you know, at least three, four podcasts a week once the season gets going and, uh, we'll sort of be in that mode moving forward. Monday is media day with all the players. Uh, it's not my favorite day in the world. I have to be honest with you. Uh, you know, that sort of, uh, sort of the sideshow aspect of media day does not really interest, interest me all that much. It's not, not, not always a ton of basketball discussion, but there'll be some, and we'll come back Monday with any takeaways that I might have on that. And we'll start looking ahead to games because a week from Monday is a preseason opener. And uh, we'll, ha- we'll learn quite a bit between now and then, I think as to how this team's going to look as training camp opens Tuesday and uh, et cetera, et cetera. So Stay tuned for all that. Please subscribe to this podcast. Please tell a friend about the show. If you if you know a Hawks fan that's not listening, please share the podcast with them. If they, if they don't like it, that's okay. But give it a shot. Um, t- tell everybody that you uh, know in your life that might be interested. I really appreciate getting the word out. And uh, again, thanks for listening. We'll see everybody later on. Uh, unless something crazy happens, not until Monday night. But uh, until then, stay tuned.